Lock on. Lock on. Lock on. Lock on. Lock on. And we welcome you to the NFC East Ultimate Division Crossover. I'm Chris Russell from Locked On Redskins, and I'm joined by my colleagues today as we've been doing this all week. First, we want to introduce Marcus Mosier from Locked On Cowboys, and then Patricia Trainer from Locked On Giants, and Louis DiBiase from Locked On Eagles. And guys, they say it's the NFC least, but you guys have brought it all week. Uh, with some thunder and some pain. So it's great once again to be with you guys as we discuss the East on this ultimate NFC East crossover. Yeah, Chris, I'm sorry. We've kind of been bashing on you each episode about your skin. So uh, it's just your moment to shine now and talk about maybe some sort of positives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember the glory days, even though I wasn't around in the Washington, D.C. area. I watched plenty of games at RFK, and trust me, FedEx Field, uh, as we, I think, all know, is anything but RFK Stadium. But hopefully with Ron Rivera, things will start to change around. And, guys, that's where we want to start. Um, listen, I think Ron Rivera was a, a surprisingly good hire. Uh, it checked a lot of boxes. I think we all kind of understand from afar what kind of guy Ron Rivera is and what he stands for, and he's going to change the culture. They have a lot of culture, trust me, to change over uh, from the stench of Bruce Allen. But I'm really curious from a divisional perspective, and we'll start maybe with Marcus uh, because the Redskins and the Cowboys have that, you know, longstanding traditional rivalry. How you guys view Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, and I guess to a lesser degree Scott Turner, Norv's kid, uh, as the new top three head honchos, if you will, of the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I think it was a smart hire from the Redskins. I think everybody you talk to uh, that has played under Ron Rivera or has coached with him absolutely loves him. Uh, I think his guys will play so hard for him. And when you look at that talent on the Washington defensive side of the ball, I think it's kind of scary what the potential of that team could be. Um, I think – I mean, again, this is me talking as a Cowboy fan here, but if you're looking for a team that could potentially make the, you know, the San Francisco 49ers jump from, you know, drafting two in the draft all the way to being a playoff contender, man, Washington looks like they have the pieces to potentially do that. They have a stable head coach now. Uh, I think they're going to get a star pass rusher in the draft. And you combine that with they have on the defensive line. I, I know it's weird to be optimistic about the Redskins, but I think things are looking up. <laughs> Patricia? I definitely agree. I love the Ron Rivera hire. Okay. I, no love for Washington. I, you know, that, otherwise I have to turn in my Giants membership card here. <laughs> but, uh, no, I love the hire. I've always had respect for Ron Rivera. You know, when he was let go by Carolina, you kind of saw it coming. I, and I don't know that necessarily it was because, you know, he was a bad coach. I think it was just a case of him getting stale down there, needed a fresh start. Um, he was the guy that I hope the Giants would hire. Um, of course, he, you know, Washington snapped him up, and I think that's one of one of the smartest moves they could have made because this is a guy who does build good culture. He put together a good staff. Um, he's a guy who relates to his players, but who still keeps discipline and won't let the, you know, the quote unquote, um, you know, let the players run the locker room, so to speak. So I like the hire and I'm very interested to see what he brings to the table and how he brings his team into shape. 
Yeah, Washington is, it's an organization that really right now just needs structure. They need discipline and they just need, you know, security when it comes to their front office and their, their coaching staff. And Ron Rivera has proven he's won coach of the year multiple times. He's been to a Super Bowl. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's a surprising move that Washington made that kind of decision, but based on what they've done in the past, but I, I thought it was a great hire in the offseason. And Rivera, for his defense, has a lot to work with, especially up front. I, I really like what Washington has, you know, on the defensive line with, of course, Ryan Kerrigan. And, you know, you look at Dayron Payne, and I was a big Montez Sweat guy last year. Love his athleticism. He ran, like, what, a 4-4 four, four, four at the, at the yeah. NFL Combine last yep. year. Finished the year with seven sacks, so he proved it on the field as well. And then, of course, Jonathan Allen. If you could add a Chase Young to that mix, I mean, this is a this is a defense that they're going to come after some of these quarterbacks that are mobile, like Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, and Dak Prescott. Yeah, and, and also Matt Ioannidis is a part of that. Uh, group right. as well, and he benefits from all of those guys around him. Now, we don't know if they're going to keep Kerrigan uh, or let him go as he enters into the final year of his contract, had some injuries, a massive drop-off in production. But my sense is they'll keep him uh, because that's one guy that Ron Rivera wants to install as a locker room leader and culture. And, you know, if he's healthy, he can still be a very productive uh, pass rusher. Guys, um before we take a quick time out, so we'll just go, you know, around the table here. I'm curious what you all made of Dwayne Haskins. I'll just tell you from my perspective, I mean, he couldn't have started off any worse. Patricia, you remember week four at MetLife Stadium. He was, he was not only, you know, obviously was not supposed to play in that game, but he was completely unprepared and he did not take his job uh, according to many that I talked to and according to what, you know, many I, I witnessed. You know, he did not take his job seriously, and he got better, and he got more dedicated to his craft as the season went along, and he had some big games uh, at the end before some injuries caught up to him. But what was your guys' general perspective? And we'll start with Patricia for the uh, Locked on Giants. Yeah, I thought in the beginning Haskins came in very immature, and I'll tell you, that was one of the concerns I had with him coming out of Ohio State. He had really the one year as a starter, and I wondered about the maturity. And then, you know, here he was, he gets to the draft, and then you're hearing about him hosting a draft party, and then he's becoming this brand. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, yo, slow it down, man, you know, <laughs> establish yourself as a quarterback, and then worry about all that stuff. And and I and I just wonder, you know. And then there were reports out of Washington that he wasn't taking the job seriously, that he wasn't studying and doing all the things that a quarterback needs to do. And you know, for the thank goodness for the you know for Washington fans, the light went on, and he started to take the job seriously and realized that hey, before I can go off and be a brand and do this and do that, I've got to be a quarterback. And I think that was the turning point for him. Let me jump in here, too. I think Haskins, you know, it was a pretty brutal start to um, his career. He had four interceptions before he threw a passing touchdown in the league. And, yeah, the immaturity was something. I just think the mental clock, it just was not working fast enough, you know, going through progressions inside the pocket. And then maybe all it took was the terrible Philadelphia Eagles secondary to kind of wake him up and snap him <laughs> into this development because when the Eagles needed to win a game, they did barely beat the Redskins, but Haskins completed – almost 68% of his throws. He had 261 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He follows that up against the Giants with two touchdowns, no picks again, 80% completion percentage. So, I mean, Haskins at the end, I think he showed a little bit of light. There's some hope there because if, you know, he doesn't have those final two performances, I think Washington 
would be, I mean, I think you should still be concerned about it. I don't think you should be as optimistic as maybe the Giants with Daniel Jones, but he did show a glimmer of potential at the end there, and maybe all it took was Ronald Darby and uh, Jalen Mills. Yeah, I think with, I was going to say, I think with Haskins is you're just looking for improvement. And I think that's what you saw. Uh, you guys all mentioned the, the awful start, but what I, what I look at is those final four games. He had a passer rating of almost 100. Uh, he looked more confident and considering, you know, how weird the year was for Washington in terms of firing your head coach, uh, midway through it. Um, I, I thought he looked okay at the end and that's, that gives you hope. He, again, he's only 22 years old. Uh, you know, now that maybe there's some stability there in Washington with the coaching staff, I'm sure that'll help. Uh, they need to continue to add to their wide receiver core, find somebody to compliment Terry McLaurin. Uh, but I think for the most part, I think you had to be encouraged with, with what you saw over the final month of the season. All right, guys, why don't we take a uh, time out and then we'll come back and wrap up this show and we'll continue to focus on the Redskins. I'm joined by Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles, Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants, and Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys. This is the NFC East Ultimate Crossover. We're focusing on the Washington Redskins. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer, offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> three, two, one. And we're back on the ultimate NFC East Division crossover, once again joined by Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys, Patricia Trana of Locked On Giants, and Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles. I'm Chris Russell here, of course, of Locked On Redskins. So, guys, we kind of touched on it uh, in terms of the defense of the Redskins uh, and, you know, they certainly have some pieces, and you would think, right, by adding um, Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, two defensive minds, when everybody seems to be always trending offense, 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 do you guys think that the Redskins by, you know, of course they doubled down by going two defensive minds. We knew they were going to have a defensive coordinator, but a defensive head coach and having that double tag team, if you will, uh, of defensive brain power, do you think that is a good thing uh, in terms of the, the trend of the NFL, or do you think it's typical Redskins kind of counterculture and not doing something that really makes sense? Uh, I'll go ahead and start. I, you know, I think this is an exception because we've seen Ron Rivera, uh, you know, coach some really good teams in Carolina. He took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Uh, they have one of the best offenses in the league there. I think the reason why the Redskins hired Rivera is because he's a leader of men. Uh, and that's, again, that's really the biggest part of this coaching job 
is being able to convince these players that your scheme is going to work, uh, that you're going to be able to go out there and beat the opponent. Um, so, yeah, well, it's weird that a lot of these teams are going to offensive-minded coaches. Rivera's established enough, uh, and he's good enough at, at specifically what he does uh, with the players on the defensive side of the ball that I think it's going to work. Yeah, I look at Washington, and I don't know. For me, I think I would like to build my staff with offense as really the strength. I think there's also an aggression to, I don't know, sometimes I feel like defensive coaches know that they or they want to rely on their defense, and sometimes maybe that brings in a bit of a conservative style sometimes. So that's why, for me, I prefer offensive guys as my you know core of the organization. But I do agree with Marcus, though. I think this is an exception because Ron Rivera – with Washington specifically, not just with all the, the ownership issues and the front office stuff, but we talked about the immaturity of Dwayne Haskins last year. This is a very young team. You look at their defensive line and you look at their wide receiver core. I mean, Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon at running back. If Darius Geis is healthy, you know, Dwayne Haskins. This is a team that needs a, like Marcus said, a leader of men. They need stability and, Ron Rivera is a proven head coach that has won, has made a Super Bowl, has made multiple deep playoff runs, and has won Coach of the Year consistently. So um, I, I do, I would prefer an offensive head coach, but I think this is certainly an exception in Washington, just with their organization, their needs. I think Ron Rivera is a perfect fit. And Patricia, obviously, the Giants did something a little bit out of the box too. So uh, you know, you can kind of develop some or deliver some kind of cross pollination here, if you will, in terms of the experience of hiring a non-offensive, pure offensive head coach. Well, you know, I look at the, the some of the key stats of Washington's defense. I believe they were the, they had the highest third down conversion rate yep. allowed. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. they were 27th overall defensively. So, you know, they have some great pieces, I think, on both sides of the ball, but sometimes you just have to kind of step back and shake things up a little bit. You know, yes, it, it's important to develop Haskins in that offense, but you, you gotta give the defense some love, you know, and I think just bringing in defense, you know, Rivera, defensive minded coach, Jack Del Rio, uh, those are two very good coaches. If I'm not mistaken, I think Del Rio uh, was on, uh, I'm trying to remember what team it was that they went to the, uh, playoffs. So he's always had some good, uh, defenses in the past. And, yeah. you know, just sometimes you just have to kind of say, okay, it's, it, it goes back to the staff that you're building. And, you know, people say, okay, well, look, offense, you know, you got to score, obviously. Well, what's the old saying? Defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. So, or, so, you know, I, I think it's actually refreshing to see. Washington think outside the box, just the way the Giants have with hiring a coach that, you know, doesn't have alliance to one side or the other ball. And just hoping that, you know, in the case of the Giants, I know Joe Judge is going to, you know, Matt, he's going to be a CEO style head coach. That's what Rivera is going to probably be down there in Washington. He's going to manage everything. He's not going to get so tied up in one side of the ball. And we've seen that happen where a coach gets so tied up with one side of the ball that the other side lacks mm-hmm. or, you know, situations, game clock management or whatever. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's just a great approach personally. Um, you know, and I can just add in, you know, Del Rio as a head coach is, you know, a 50-50 proposition, right? In Oakland, Jacksonville, but he's made the playoffs a couple of times. 
uh, and he's developed some real good talent. But as a defensive coordinator, and there's been four years of the sample size with that three in Denver, you know, he had Von Miller. He didn't draft Von Miller. He got there the year after Von Miller was the number two overall pick. But they put together a whale of a defense uh, there, and he did draft way back when in Carolina, ironically, before Ron Rivera got there, Julius Peppers with the number two overall pick. And, guys, that leads us uh, to, I guess, you know, my main last question, and then we'll try and get in another one if we have time, is with the number two overall pick, everybody is kind of focused on Chase Young. But here's my question for all three of you. If you were the Redskins and if the Miami Dolphins offered you three first-round picks or the Jacksonville Jaguars of the Las Vegas Raiders, who have multiple first-round picks, say, offered you their two first-round picks and maybe a, a second-round pick or multiple thirds. And remember, the Redskins do not have a second-round pick right now because of the Montez sweat trade last year to move back into the first round. What would you guys do if, if a team was offering, again, two first-round picks and then more for that number two overall pick? Would you stay there and draft Chase Young, yeah. or would you trade down? I would certainly consider – I mean, look, Chase Young is an incredible prospect, and he is someone that, you know, if you add to that defensive line, like quarterbacks are, are going to fear playing Washington. But at the same time, we kind of talked about it in the first segment early on. I mentioned a lot of the young pieces in the – really productive pieces you guys have up front already. If I could get a haul where I can get multiple first-round picks, I, I really like this draft, and I think, man, if I can move back and I can grab a, I don't know, let's say you want to double down at receiver and you want to continue to build around Dwayne Haskins with a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy type, and you can have another pick, and you could get maybe a, if you still want a pass rusher, a Clavon Chazen from LSU, crazy upside as well, length, burst off the line of scrimmage and you move down and you collect multiple prospects like that and a second, a, a day two pick, I think it would be really hard to have a problem with that if you're a Redskins fan. Yeah, I'm with Louie on that. If, if I get that opportunity to trade down and collect more assets, I take it. You know, Chase Young is a tremendous player. He's a generational player. But if you can add another receiver, if you can, you know, grab your pass rusher in day two. If you can add an offensive tackle, this is an offensive tackle rich class, which I believe, you know, Washington needs. I would do it and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Marcus? Uh, this one's hard for me because I think Chase Young is, like you guys mentioned, a generational pa- talent. And I don't think you pass up on generational talent. Uh, when you look at what Washington has on that defensive line with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis and, Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan, it's hard not to want to put Chase Young with those guys and just go out and try to shut everybody down to 14 points sure. a game. I'm not giving up that trend, you know, the generational guy at, you know, six foot six, 265 pounds that can get me 14, 16, maybe 18 sacks a season. I'm not passing up on it there. He, he's just too good of a player, uh, too rare of a player to, to get at number two. Hard to argue with well, that. Yeah, the other, the, you know, the other thing that, as we all know, right, and you just listed, Mark, is all the talent and the Redskins have in the front seven, and they're going, you know, from a 3-4 to a 4-3, even though, you know, I think that's overrated because you're in sub, you know, 65, 70% of the time anyway, and so does Jack Del Rio, by the way. I uh, think it's overrated, but, you know, you know, you, you, when you can send this array of pass rushers, you know, A, you can cover up for injuries, which are going to happen over the course of a long season. B, you can really wear out an offensive line, at, you know, that's on the field for 65, 70 uh, snaps a game, and guys make mistakes the, the longer a game goes. Uh, and then also you can cover up for a spotty secondary, which is how I would very much describe 
uh, the Washington Redskins. All right, I have one last one. We'll do it really quick. Were you guys rooting? Were you? I want to know this. Be honest. Were you guys rooting for Bruce Allen, uh, who, who orchestrated a d- decade of disaster around here? Were you guys rooting for Bruce Allen to stay or get fired? I was enjoying what Washington was doing every year from an Eagles perspective. So let's just say it's the right decision, but one from a Philadelphia standpoint, no, I would prefer him to uh, have been employed as long as Daniel Snyder wanted him to. As I say, my thing is, uh, does it really matter if Dan Snyder's your owner? I mean, does it really, really matter? True. Fair point. <laughs> I, I gotta agree with Louie. I mean, from, from, was it the right decision? Absolutely. But, look, any advantage you can get in this division, because right now the talent, I think, is so – I think the teams are just so close together. There's really no runaway winner. I mean, if you look at the last several years, how a different team has won it every, you know, every other year. It's been a different champion. Uh, why – why allow Washington to, to step up and, you know, make a run for it? But I think now they're going to. I think they're going to get be a lot better. They're going to make a lot better decisions. And and uh, I, I'm concerned. Let's put it that way. All right, Patricia, take us around the horn. Uh, let the fans know, for everybody that doesn't know, and they should, where they can hear you and where they can read you. Sure. I'm at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A, on Twitter. And you can find my written work at GiantsCountry.com, which is an SI.com NFL channel. And Louie? You can hit me up on Twitter at DBSLOE. Our podcast is on any platform or on LockdownEagles.com, and my written content is up at 97.3 ESPN. And I'm at... Yep, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can follow my co-host, uh, Landon at McCoolBCB. And then we're at Locked On Cowboys on Twitter as well. All right, guys. Uh, this has been a lot of fun doing these four teams uh, throughout the week as we have done it. Uh, but you know what? We've got one more day of this ultimate NFC East crossover. So why don't you – why don't we say, you know what, we're going to do this again, but we're going to do it from a big picture perspective, and we're going to ask some more cool questions. How's that sound, guys, for a Friday? Absolutely. Good to me. Yep. All right, let's do it. Thanks, everybody, Redskins, Giants, Eagles, and Cowboy fans for listening. This is the ultimate NFC East crossover right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.